Second Chronicles in chapter number 26 is where we're going to be tonight. Second Chronicles in chapter number 26, and we're going to try to re- we're going to read the whole chapter. We're going to be covering it's all one story about one man and an individual, one of the kings of Judah. So we're going to begin reading in verse number one of Second Chronicles chapter number 26, and then we will get into it. The Bible says, "Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father Amaziah." And he built Eloth and restored it to Judah. After that, the king slept with his fathers. Sixteen years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned fifty and two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was also Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought the Lord in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God, And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And he went forth and warred against the Philistines and break down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabnan, the wall of Ashdod, and built cities about Ashdod and among the Philistines. And God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gerbal and against the Mehuims and the Amorites gave gifts to Uzziah. And his name spread abroad even to the entering in of Egypt, for he strengthened himself exceedingly. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the turning of the wall and fortified them. Also, he built towers in the desert and digged many wells, for he had much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains, husbandmen also, and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved husbandry. Moreover, Uzziah had a host of fighting men that went out to war by bands according to the number of their account by the hand of Jeliel, the scribe, and Masiah, the ruler, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. And the whole number of the chief of the fathers of the mighty men of valor were 2,600. And under their hand was an army, 300,000 and 7,500 that made war with mighty power. To help the king against the enemy. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the host shields and spears and helmets and habergons and bows and slings to cast stones. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord." But to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense, go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast transgressed. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. 
And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest and the house of the Lord and from beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death, and dwelt in a several house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, first and last, did Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, write. So Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the burial which belonged to the kings. For they said, He is a leper. And Jotham his son reigned in his stead. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for today once again. And Lord, we've just come before you, and we need your help to be able to understand your word and for you to speak to us. I just pray that you would be free to move in hearts and lives, that you would give me the wisdom to preach, Lord. I, do not, I need you. I am not capable of doing this by myself. I just pray that you would be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. History is replete with stories of people who believed their own press releases, we might say, who believed everything that they said about themselves, or that other people said about them. It's an um, expression used about athletes. When they are doing very good, the press is full of, wonderful, of their wonderful accomplishments. And as the press, as the newspapers and the sports writers become more and more full of their accomplishments, they become more and more full of their accomplishments. And it's said that they begin to believe their own Press reports. I think of the story, humorous, you've probably heard it, of Muhammad Ali, who just recently died. And he was on, the, he was on an airplane, and the stewardess walked up and said, Sir, you need to buckle your seatbelt. He goes, Superman don't need no seatbelt. The stewardess answers, Superman don't need no airplane. Buckle up. You see, he had become so, he had listened to his own press releases in a way. He became so confident in his ability that he did not believe he needed to follow the rest of the rules. Now, obviously, he didn't literally think he was Superman, but that level of arrogance comes. The smallest successes in our life often are cause for great pride. Have you ever met someone who's worked out for one week? I, I've been there. At college, I decided I was going to try to get in the weight room. Well, you know, apparently I didn't do much. You can see that. But I was in the weight room, and I was trying. And you, you could see it, and all the um, other... I wasn't the only one guilty of this. But you work out for one week, and you start to walk a little bit different, like you've been working out a little bit, you know. You, you feel like you're really doing something, and people look at you like, okay. He's trying to prove something, whatever. You see, I'd been in there and I'd been working out for one week and I was like, I worked out for longer than that. But um, even after one week, you begin, the smallest successes can lead to great pride. A sense of accomplishment, someone who is very good at something, that sense of accomplishment can lead to arrogance very, very quickly. And in our days of trash-talking and self-promotion, there is no end to people who have a very high view 
of their accomplishments and their abilities. Just ask our president or our presidential candidates who have very high views of their own ability or their own accomplishments. But I want to challenge you that in our Christian life, everything we actually accomplish for Christ, if it is truly something to the glory of God, it is not because we accomplished it because ourselves. When God gives us the victory over a sin in our life, that is not glory because I accomplished that, but truly the Bible teaches that every gift cometh down from above. That anything we truly accomplish in our lives that counts for anything is because of God. Anything we do in our lives, it is because of what God has done. We cannot do anything good without the power of God. And I believe, but I believe also that everyone in this room would like to say, I would like to accomplish things for God. I would like to see God glorified through my life. I would like to see the will of God accomplished in my life. If we're here on a Sunday night, I believe that would be the case. That most people in this room at least would say, I want God to be glorified through my life. I want to see people come to this church because I've witnessed them. I want to see souls saved because I shared God's word with them. We want to see God give us the victory over sin in our lives. But all of this can only be accomplished through the power of God. And I could say we all are in desperate need. No matter what stage of life we are in, we are in desperate need of the power of God. We are in desperate need of the working of God. I believe we would agree with that. Open Door Bible Baptist Church is blessed. But we are still in desperate need of the working and the power of God. Each and every one of our lives. And that's transitioning back to our text. That's where we find Judah right now. The nation of Judah in Second Chronicles chapter... Um, 26. Now, um, remember um, from last week, the Second Chronicles was written to those who had come back to Babylon and they needed to know why they'd ended up in Babylon and how to keep from making the same mistakes. So God is rehearsing their history for them, rehearsing where they went wrong, the mistakes they made, why God blessed them, why God judged them. And at this time in Israel's history, they are in desperate need of spiritual victory as well. Uzziah was, Uzziah was placed on the throne at a very turbulent time in, Israel, in Judah's history. Last week we preached on Rehoboam. We studied Rehoboam's life a little bit. This is um, several, many generations actually removed from Rehoboam. But Rehoboam's uh, great-grandson, Jehoshaphat, up to that time there had been, I mean, Rehoboam wasn't the best king, but he wasn't the worst king by any means either. Then there was his son, who lived for God some, made some mistakes. Then there was Asa, who lived for God mostly, and made some mistakes at the end of his life, stopped living for God. He began to live by his own wisdom. Then we get to Jehoshaphat. He was a long-reigning king. He did some great things. He lived for God. But he made one key mistake. He made an alliance with Ahab in Israel. How many know the story I'm talking about? I'll go into it. If you do, raise your hand. If you don't, shake your head, and I'll give a little bit more background. The king of Judah, the Judah was still living for God. The kingdom had split under Rehoboam. Then there was um, Ahab, one of the most wicked kings ever to rule over the people of God. He married Jezebel, who was the queen of the Zidonians, who were the um, worship of Baal. It was the headquarters of the worship of Baal. And he married Jezebel from there. 
And Jehoshaphat, someone who worshipped God in the temple, who prayed to God, made an alliance with Ahab, one of the most wicked kings. Now, in that time period, in an alliance, there was often a marriage among the, um, the son and the daughter, whatever, of the two people making an alliance, showing that there was agreement. When Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, he married Pharaoh's daughter. Well, when Joseph, Jehoshaphat made an alliance with Ahab, Jehoshaphat's son married Ahab's daughter, the daughter of Jezebel, and introduced the, the wicked, wicked, vile worship of Baal into Jerusalem, into where the temple had been dedicated to God. Eventually, it had gotten so bad that the daughter of Ahab, Athaliah, had killed every son of David that she could find. One was survived, but she thought she'd wiped out the royal seed, and she took control of the throne and began to um, murder the prophets, and there was just wicked wickedness ruling the land. Then, Uzziah's grandfather, Joash, Jehoiada, the, the priest, had rescued Joash and hid him in the temple till he was eight years old or seven years old, and then they brought him out and crowned him king and tried to restore the Davidic line as the king of Israel. Just stay with me. There's some history going on here, but if you can stay with me, it's going to make a lot more sense when we get to the end. And then Joash had been living for God. This was Uzziah's grandfather. had been living for God up till Jehoiada the priest died. And then he even went so far when Jehoiada died, He stopped living for God. He forsook the law of God. And it ended up so far that he had Jehoiada's sons murdered because they said, you're doing wrong. And Joash was actually assassinated by his own people, by his servants, because of his wicked behavior. So Amaziah took the throne, Joash's son. And he lived for God for the most part. He saw victory, military victory, and then he began to worship the idols. Of the nation he had defeated. He went and defeated Edom. And then they saw the idols in the camp of Edom. After they completely defeated them. And they began to bow down to those idols. Just, you're like, what is making, this doesn't make any sense at all. This doesn't make, and eventually Amaziah, because of his sin, God allowed him to be defeated by Israel. And Israel came in. Family, literally, part of the twelve tribes of Israel. The northern ten tribes came down, defeated Amaziah, and came to Jerusalem and broke down 600 feet of the wall of Jerusalem, sacked the temple, took the, sacked the city of Jerusalem again. Jerusalem was now broken down. It was a reproach upon the people of God. And because of the sin in his life, Amaziah was also assassinated. So as you can see, all that history is going... This was a very turbulent time in Judah's history. They had been going through wickedness and wickedness. And finally, there was two kings who had lived for God but had ended their reign in rebellion against God and not good circumstances, had been killed by their own people. And here's Uzziah who takes the throne as a 16-year-old boy. Well, man, but he was still 16 years old. Not a lot of chance to have experience in life at 16 years old. And Judah was in desperate need of a long-reigning king. They needed some stability. They needed some spiritual stability. They needed someone to come in and to 
bring them back to God and begin to um, build the nation back up from where it was. They were now being defeated by their enemies around them. And here comes Uzziah. The Bible says in verse number 1, Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father. And verse number 4 says, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. His father Amaziah had started out right. And here's what Uzziah did. He started out in that same um, way of living for God, keeping the law of God. And Uzziah had the longest reign of any king up to that point. The Bible says he had 52 year long reign. Judah desperately needed some leadership, some spiritual leadership. When, it's, when the Bible says he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, the word right there also has the idea of straight. He didn't veer to the left or veer to the right or try to bend it this way or that way. He took what the law of God said and he stayed on course. He, stayed, he went straight for it. He did that was right in the sight of the Lord. It also says he brought godly counsel into his reign. Look at verse number 5. It says, And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. He brought Zechariah in, someone who knew God, someone who knew what God wanted. And he said, show me what God wants me to do. And he began to bring that godly counsel into his life. And you know what it says? I just read it. It says, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. You know that everything... Every good thing that we're going to study in just a couple minutes, we're going to go through how God made Uzziah into a prosperous king. And great things happened in his kingdom because God made it to happen. Why did God make Uzziah prosper? He sought God. As he sought God, the verb there, it means God did it. This was, this was because God made him prosper. It wasn't Uzziah's great wisdom. It wasn't Uzziah's great ability to lead or to know what needed to happen, it was because he sought God, God made him to prosper. And we're going to see, how did, how did Uzziah prosper? God helped and prospered Uzziah in everything he did. All his endeavors. Let's look at it. Militarily, he prospered. Verse number 6. He went forth and warred against the Philistines and break down the wall of Gath. And the walls of different cities and began to build cities in the Philistines. He brought the Philistines who had been in subjection under David, been in subjection under Solomon. But they had risen up and began to attack Israel. And before in um, Joash's reign, the Philistines had come in and attacked Jerusalem. And now Uzziah is putting them back down. He's bringing peace Back to his nation. He is given military victory because he sought the Lord. He's given that military victory and he goes in. In fact, he's breaking down the walls of the city, showing his dominance, making them like Jerusalem had been under his father's reign, where their wall was broken down. He goes in and breaks down those walls and begins to build cities and establish himself. And it also says that the Amorites came and brought him gifts. Other nations were afraid to attack him. And they begin to bring him gifts and bring him tribute. And it also, in the verse number 2, it talks about this. His, um, he built Eloth. And also it says his, um, his name 
was no, his name, verse number 8, and his name spread abroad even to the entering of Egypt. What Eloth was, was a city on the Red Sea, where Solomon had had trade with, on the Red Sea with other nations. He had had international trade. And after the time of Solomon, when Solomon be, and Rehoboam lost part of his kingdom, because of so- Solomon and Rehoboam's sin against God, they had lost that trade. But as Uzziah sought the Lord, as Uzziah began to do things right in the sight of God, he reestablished that trade. He was prospering because God was helping him. It says, and God gave him wisdom and help in his agricultural pursuits. Pursuits. It says, um, moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem. And at the corner gate, he was fortifying Jerusalem. We'll get to that in just a second. And it says, verse number 10, also he built towers and the desert, and digged many wells, for he had much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains, and husbandmen also, and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved husbandry. What Uzziah began to do is he began to go out, because no longer was the enemy coming across his land and uh, destroying his cattle and destroying the crops of the people. Because God had given him victory over the enemies, he was able to begin to develop the land again and to begin to, he says, dug many wells. He developed the um, irrigation that they needed for the cattle and that they needed to be able to plant the vineyards. This, is, this means economic prosperity. This means that the land is beginning to flourish again. People are beginning to have the jobs and the supplies that they need so they can worship the Lord. They, have, they can now give to the temple because they have the land. He ha- he's providing, he's building up the land. This is good. These are good things that are happening. God is prospering him at this point. You know, often um, at this point, as people begin in the past and in the future in the land of Israel, as they begin to go into the land and build it and try to make great vineyards for themselves and all that, very tied into Can- in the land of Canaan at that time was the worship of Baal. Because the worship of Baal, according to the Canaanites, meant that you would have good crops. If you didn't worship Baal, you wouldn't have good crops. It was very, the agricultural and the idolatrous practices were very, very tied together. And yet we don't see that in Uzziah. We don't see that. He was seeking the Lord, and even though he was building all this stuff in the land, he kept seeking God. He kept on seeking God, and God made it all to prosper. That's what, that was what was happening in his life. And also, God gave Uzziah a standing army. Which at that time, most of the time when they went into conflict, when there was a war, the king would send out a conscript. He would say, alright, bring all the army together and they're going to number the army and they're going to get their army together. And everybody would show up. You can remember, under the days of Saul, only Saul and his son Jonathan had swords. Everybody else had ox goads. Or whatever tool. They, it wasn't a standing army. They weren't well equipped. But here we find Uzziah has an arm, standing army of over 300,000. That's organized. He has captains over it. And when it talks about having the slings and having the shields all throughout the army, they were, this was a regular army. They were outfitted the same. They were outfitted with the best weaponry of the day. The Haberjohns, what that was, was the, the male armor that went over them. So they, were, they had the best um, equipment of the day. This was good. This was because of the blessings of God. And Uzziah is beginning to strengthen his kingdom. Not only then he rebuilds the city of Jerusalem. 
He, re- he rebuilds the wall that was broken down. And he builds towers. So he fortifies the city of Jerusalem. And he also says that in verse number 15, and he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. Now, if you read any commentary, they're going to say such machines were not even, there's no evidence of machines of these type of catapults or whatever, whatever in the land of Israel until hundreds of years later. But that's what the Bible says. The Bible's talking about, it doesn't say just special protection. It says, no, to shoot the arrows and great stones. He had military science that was far beyond, far beyond what even most scholars will say they had in that day. He had a strongest military of that day. He had... Um, what we could say, his technology was way beyond everybody else. Nobody was going to attack Jerusalem because he had technology and military strength that completely blew everybody else out of the water. It was terrific. Uzziah, from the down days where Jerusalem was being attacked, now Uzziah had built Jerusalem up. His people could see the towers guarding his nation. They could see the wall built up. When they went out, there was an army there that they knew their king could call upon to defend them. They were living for God. Their king was seeking God. There was blessings in the land. They could look, they could travel through the land and see the the economics blessings that were on their land. There was great herds of cattle growing. There was great vineyards and farms everywhere that were producing the fruit. And he even had trade in the Red Sea again. There was international trade again for Judah. It was a great time. There was economics growing. Uzziah had built himself very strong. And here's what it says. And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Uzziah was able to accomplish all these wonderful things because he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Once again, it was God that was helping Uzziah here. This wasn't Uzziah's great planning, though I'm sure he planned. This wasn't Uzziah's great wisdom or who he necessarily surrounded himself with, though he did surround himself with cunning men, with godly men. It was because he sought God, and as long as he sought God, God made him to prosper. Now the word there, marvelously helped, that's the same word that it talks about when God went into Egypt and, re- and plagued Egypt and removed Israel with a strong hand and did many marvelous works in Egypt. It's talking about the miracle working hand of God. How God does things that are just beyond our imagination. The power of God. The ability of God to accomplish things. That's what it's talking about there when it says he was marvelously helped. Uzziah was blessed by God. Uzziah, as he was serving and seeking God, saw his country grow, saw great blessings upon his life, saw everything he did prosper, and he was marvelously helped by God. It says he was marvelously helped till he was strong. And how many times in our lives, as we obey God, have we seen God bless our lives? As we make decisions in our lives, To obey God. We see blessings in our lives. As we make decisions to follow what the Bible says. As God can give us victory over the sin when we just obey God. God can give us the ability to witness to those family members when we just obey God. And we can see the blessings of God come in our lives. 
when we seek God. We can. It's true. God wants to bless us. God wants to give us what we need to serve Him. And here's Uzziah as he seeks God. God is just pouring out the blessings on him. And now the kingdom of Judah once again is strong. Once again, they're fortified. They have the the guards that they need. But, it said, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Uzziah began to seek the see the work of God in his life as his own. As his own work. He began to see what God was doing and the things that God was accomplishing in his life. He began to see those as his own accomplishments. He began to see those as, look at the great things I have done. And this always brings destruction. The Bible constantly warns against pride. And how many times in our own lives... We can, as we serve God and we seek God, we see God give that victory. And that pride begins to creep in. As we see God, we see God use us in a way we didn't expect. And somebody just tells us, man, you're a blessing today. And the tendency is, we reach around and pat ourselves on the back and say, man, I must be doing pretty good. And we see that person we invited come to church. And then we see another one come to church. And it's great. We're excited about that. But we can see the great things that God is accomplishing in our lives. If we're not careful, we can begin to see those as our own. And our heart can become lifted up. And Uzziah's pride led to sin and ultimately his destruction. It says he entered the temple to offer incense. Okay? So, Uzziah had been in the temple before to worship God. But when it says he was entering the temple to offer incense, he wasn't coming to worship God and say, God, you've been so good to me for everything you've given to me. God, the only reason I am anywhere near this is because of who you are. God, the only reason I have these blessings in my kingdom is because I've sought you and you've blessed me. No, that wasn't how he entered the temple. He entered the temple as the king, as the great king, who was going to offer the incense to God as well and bring all of his accomplishments with him to offer to God. We kind of remind you a little bit in the New Testament of the Pharisee who came. And Jesus said he prayed thus with himself. I've done, Lord, I thank thee I'm not as this publican. I tithe, I fast, I do all this. That was the attitude Uzziah was approaching God. He wasn't approaching God out of humble and thankfulness for who God was. No, he came in to offer incense because he was the king. And he wanted to lead the worship of God in that way. And that wasn't worship. Because worship requires a humbling of ourself. If we are truly going to worship God, we, we humble ourselves because of who God is. That is the only way we can approach God is when we realize who God is and who we truly are, that we are not all that we often think we are, but we need to humble ourselves because of who God is. That's not how Uzziah approached God. Because he began to view what God had done in his life as his own, he approached God as the king. And the priest came and said, 
Listen, this isn't to your honor. You've been a great king. You've been honored by God so far. The people love you. You are esteemed as a great king. You've had a long and prosperous reign. You are a great king. But if you do this, this is not to your honor. This is not going to make another notch on your uh, gun belt, so to say. This isn't going to lift you up, give you another stripe on your sleeve. Lift you up another rank. They withstood him and said, Stop! Don't do this! You're transgressing against God. They were warning him, giving him the opportunity to repent and humble himself. And here's what Uzziah becomes. He says The Bible says he became wroth. He became enraged. Pride. Only by pride cometh contention, the Bible says. Only by pride cometh contention. That was Uzziah's problem. He was proud. And when he came in to worship God, they said, this isn't the way you worship God. King, please, we know you're the king, but God is not worshipped this way. God is holy. He is not approached in this way. You must approach Him according to His Word. And Uzziah becomes enraged. He is just livid. He says, and he has a censer in his hand. That means he's not backing down. He is going to do it. And the leprosy springs out on his forehead. God's judgment is quick. It is powerful. It is complete. Uzziah is effectively removed from being the king. All the glory, all the honor of his kingdom so far. He has had the greatest reign for a while. His kingdom is built up. He has the army. Jerusalem is fortified. Everything is going great. But he was lifted up in pride and comes in. And God says, you're not approaching me like that. You're not approaching me as all your accomplishments with my blessings. You're not approaching me as, look at all I've done, God, when it's my blessings you're holding. And God says, He removes him. He removes him from being the king. Uzziah's strength and success became his downfall. All the blessings that God had given him became his downfall. Because he traded a high view of God for a high view of himself. He traded a high view of who God is and what God had done in his life for a high view of himself and his great accomplishments. And when we forget everything that is good in our lives is a gift of God, that same pride, that same arrogance is going to begin to set in. As we can become stronger, more adept, have more blessings, we tend to lose our dependence on God. As we can become more confident, as we see God bless our lives, as we realize, as we look back and say, you know what? A year ago I was struggling with this sin, I just couldn't do this, and now God has given me the victory. A year ago, I didn't attend church regularly. Now I'm in church every service. A year ago, I wasn't doing it. And we can begin to see how God has truly changed our life. What it should do. God, you've been so good to me. And we should humble ourselves before God. But if we're not careful, 
If I'm not careful, I can begin to say, man, that was a pretty good message I preached last week. Man, I, I, I had notes and I preached long enough last week. I'm starting to become a good preacher. And you know what I do when I do that? I lose my dependence on God. And God says, you're not dependent on me. You can't approach me and worship me dependent on yourself. Do not lose your dependence upon God. Uzziah destroyed all his reign. His son took over. Now, many of the things were left, but Uzziah didn't get to enjoy it. He said he was in a several house. He was in a separate house, separated from all of his kingdom. Nobody visited him. And he was buried not in the tombs of the kings, but in the field beside it. Because he was a leper. Ultimate destruction came on him. He, strength became his downfall. His great accomplishments that God had blessed him with. The very things that God had wanted to bless him. Uzziah took those as his own. And they became his downfall. And as we follow and obey God. God wants to give us blessings. God wants us to live the victorious Christian life. God doesn't want us to live in spiritual defeat. God wants us to enjoy the blessings that come with obedience to God. God wants us to have that. God wants us to be a witness to the world of God's goodness. God wants to give us the victory in our life over sin. God wants to give us the blessings, the joy, and the peace that God's Word promises. He wants us to have that. And as we seek the Lord, He will give those to us. But we cannot lose our dependence upon God. And you may may be sitting here tonight and say, well, I haven't received the victory over sin. I have over this sin in my life. I haven't seen the victorious Christian life or the blessings of God just poured out on me. The answer is the same. We need to be completely dependent upon God. And God can give those to you. Because God has everything that we need. John 15, 5, Jesus is telling His disciples, He says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. In 1 Peter, the Bible says, According as He has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Everything we need, we find in Jesus Christ. And as we seek Him, as we are dependent upon Him, we will see the blessings of God. We can see the victory in our life that we want and God wants even more than we want. That God wants to see our lives victorious. He wants to see us have the victory in our lives. He wants to bless us. But we can lose our dependence of God. We can allow the blessings of God to remove the dependence on God from our lives. We've all done it at some time. Because pride is one of the greatest enemies we face. Every time something good happens in our lives... We want to take credit for it. I want to take credit for it. When God blesses and the congregation is singing great, I want to say, man, I must have done a great job leading songs that day. No. If, tr- if God was truly praised, it was because people worshipped God. 
not because I was up here flapping my arms like a goonie bird. If God is truly praised, it's because of Him, not because of any one of us. And if we're going to see the blessings of God, we must be dependent upon Him. If we're not going to have the blessings of God destroy our lives, we must continue to be dependent upon Him. Because pride brings a downfall. Here's a question. When you are trying to serve God and someone approaches you and says, Hey, this isn't how you're supposed to be doing it. Hey, this isn't how God wants to approach, be approached. Is there anger in your life? Do you bow up? Do you get mad about it? That's a sign of pride. By only, only by pride cometh contention. When you are trying to serve God and someone says, Hey, not this way. And there's just anger in your life. That's a sign of pride. That's what the Bible says. That's what Uzziah had. That's a warning sign. Uzziah could have stopped there and humbled himself right then before God. He wasn't stricken with leprosy yet. But when he became angry and became enraged, God completely judged him and removed him from being the king of Israel. King of Judah, excuse me. We cannot lose our dependence upon God. We must maintain a correct view of God and His blessings. That everything good in our life is because of God. And we must maintain a correct view of ourselves. That we are a sinner saved by grace. That nothing good in our life came because of my ability, but as only as, as long as I sought God, God made me to prosper. That should make us more dependent upon God. And as we're more dependent, God is able to bless more. And as we are become more dependent, God is able to bless more. We can have the blessings of God in our life and they not destroy us and enjoy them. We can have the wonderful blessings of God and enjoy them when we remain dependent upon God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your word and the warning that it gives us, Lord. We thank you for who you are and that you are a God who is great, and that you have chosen to use us, I just pray as we come before you tonight that we would humble ourselves before you and allow you to be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. And if you just need to take a moment and pray that your seed or come forward, we'll just take a moment of prayer, personal prayer, before we begin to do our prayer list.